Um, that first song that we just sang, it was a new song for us, but it's a scripture passage that many of us know. And I thought we should begin today, Palm Sunday, by reading this together. We don't often do this as a community, but it's good to read scripture together. And so um, many of you are very familiar with this passage of scripture. It's Jesus talking, and he's the one who's speaking uh, and he's uh, speaking in this, the context of someone who's asking a lot of questions and trying to figure out who Jesus is. And so I thought, let's, let's read this together. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Are you ready? Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. Now that's good news. That's good news. That for God so loved the world, and you know, he doesn't make distinctions there. He doesn't say, for God so loved this group or that group. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. And sometimes when we think about a father sending someone, we think like punishment, but listen to what he says. He didn't send Jesus to condemn us, but rather to save us. And that's good news. That's good news. And I want you to hear that today on this Palm Sunday. If you miss everything else, don't miss this, that God loves you and Christ came not to condemn you, but rather to save you. That God sent Jesus into the world not to condemn us or so that we might feel shame, but so that we might find freedom to save us from the challenges of life. And so Palm Sunday, today, we begin this, what we call Holy Week. Today is going to be a little different. We're going to... We're going to journey with Jesus through the week uh, just a little bit. I'm going to tell you some stories, and we're going to mix it in with some songs. We're going to uh, take communion together today. And so when we sing one of these songs, um, if you didn't pick up communion when you walked into the room, uh, you can slip out from your seat and go grab communion. There's a table in the back with little uh, communion packets. If you're online, uh, you can just kind of slip away from your couch and go grab some juice or water and crackers or whatever you need to get, Cheerios, and you can take communion with us. You can use whatever. It's what it represents, right? It's not about the actual elements. And so we're going to walk together through this, and Jesus is going to be at the center. Holy Week usually consists of four focuses. There's Palm Sunday, which is today. There's Maundy Thursday, uh, which is Thursday creative name, Monday, Thursday. There's Good Friday, which is Friday. Friday. I'm just making sure you're tracking with me. Not a trick question. And then there's Resurrection Sunday, which is Easter. Next Sunday, which we're going to get excited about, I hope. And uh, so Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday. Have you ever wondered why they call it Monday, Thursday? Have you ever wondered what Monday means? Monday comes from the Latin word, I think, um, uh, of command. And Jesus gave his disciples a command on that Thursday, and his command was to love one another. So Monday, Thursday is the idea that Jesus gave the command to love one another on that Thursday, and we're going to see what that looks like um, today. 
Uh, in the middle of Luke, the, the, the Gospel of Luke, so Luke is comprised of a bunch of Jesus stories. And in the very middle, chapter 9, there's a verse that says this, that Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Jesus knew his mission was in Jerusalem, and kind of the culmination of all that he had been teaching and doing and the miracles and the lives that were being changed, he would, he would find his full purpose in Jerusalem when he gave his life up for all of humanity. So he sets out for Jerusalem. And today, Palm Sunday, is the day we celebrate him entering into Jerusalem for this final week. And Scripture says this, that when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along this path, praising God for all the miracles they had seen. And they were shouting, Hosanna, blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, if you've been around church for, for very long, I remember this as a kid. Um, in many churches, they send kids through the aisles on Palm Sundays with palm branches, and usually they're whacking people accidentally or each other, and they become swords that they're fighting with. But did you ever go to a church where they did the palm branch thing? Some of you, yeah. And if you didn't grow up in church, you're like, I don't even know what that looks like. But they would bring the kids in, and they would sing songs that used the word Hosanna, and they'd kind of come through the aisles waving the palm branches, trying to create that moment that Jesus was riding in to Jerusalem. So I want to try to get us there just for a second. And um, sometimes pictures help. And just over a year ago, there was a group of us in Israel uh, right before the pandemic struck, and we were on the top of the Mount of Olives on our first day in Jerusalem. This is how we began our trip in Israel. And this is a little panoramic that I took um, uh, standing on the top of Mount of Olives. Now, it's, it's a little difficult to imagine Jesus' day, but there were a lot of things that wouldn't have been there. Most of the things outside of the city gate, you can see the, the walls of the city, most of that would not have existed as we see it here. The high rises obviously wouldn't have been there. The mosque in the middle wouldn't have been there. These tombs all along this hillside wouldn't have been there. But you can see the drop in elevation from where we're standing down into the Kidron Valley, which is main walkway. You see what I'm what I'm talking about a little bit? Now, some of you love this kind of history and map stuff, and some of you are like, oh, I'm going to check out for a minute. I'll call you back when, when we're done with the map. But you see the Kidron Valley, um, and then that, just this side of the walls of Jerusalem, you'll see a bunch of little smaller walls and then some more tombs. None of that would have been there. This would have been the path that Jesus took a number of times this week. He stayed most of the time out in Bethany, which was just kind of over this hill, as he entered into Jerusalem. So he comes to the top of this hill, and he looks over Jerusalem, and Scripture says he actually weeps over Jerusalem. Do you remember this? He weeps over Jerusalem because he knows what's coming, and he longs for the people of Jerusalem, you know, God's holy people, to, to lean into God's Messiah the Savior of the world. And so as he heads down this hill, probably just over to the right of where I'm, I'm standing here, um, he kind of heads down this pathway. That's where people would have been waving palm branches and shouting Hosanna. Hosanna literally means save us. And so when they were crying out, Hosanna, save us, 
what they were thinking of, what their expectation of the Messiah was, that the Messiah would be a political military ruler who would save them from Rome, these oppressors, these foreign oppressors who had come in and taken their land. And so when they were crying, save us, and the palm branches were kind of seen as a, as a nationalistic symbol and, and throwing those down before Jesus, and he rides in on a donkey instead of a, on a stallion, which is the sign of a king. He rides in on a donkey, which is about this humility that Jesus is showing in the world. And, oh, what a picture for us to be a people of humility in, in a world that, that proclaims power, how important power is and positions of power, Jesus rides into town on a humble donkey. And um, comes down the mountain, then up into the city. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders start yelling at Jesus, you got to tell your people to shut up. And I don't know if you remember what they say is if we don't cry out, the, the rocks will proclaim. You know, we must, we must celebrate our king who is here. What's interesting about this day, this Sunday, Palm Sunday, which is the day we, we celebrate the, the palm branches and all of that, um, is also in the first century, this would have been the day that all the, the Jewish people were coming to, to, to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover meal. And this was the day they would have chosen the lamb that would be sacrificed later in the week. And Jesus is making a huge statement by coming into town on this Sunday. He's saying, I'm the lamb who will take away all the sins of the world. Now, that's some good news too right there. That should make you smile, right? And um, I was just thinking about this day and, and I was thinking about the expectations and sometimes the demands I place on God or what I expect Jesus to do in my life. And I, and I realized that it's sometimes the expect, expectations or the demands that I have of Jesus need to change before I, ca I can experience the life he wants me to experience. You know what I mean? And I wonder for you this week, as you anticipate Easter, Resurrection Day once again, if there are some expectations that need to be reworked in your life so that you can experience what Jesus truly brings to you. So before Jesus entered into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, there's this little story that, um, that, that Jesus interacts in a town called Jericho. You've probably heard of Jericho before. And interesting, the layout of the, ge the geography and, and everything, um, uh, Jericho is actually like 800 feet below sea level, and uh, Jerusalem's like 2,500 feet above sea level, and it's the path that Jesus would have taken, uh, and so he would have been, you know, way down in this city and then had to climb that for that 20 mile, about 20 miles uh, up to Jerusalem to get to Jerusalem, and so he's on his way, and he's interacting with people on his way, and he's, he's in Jericho, and there's this crazy story I remember uh, from Sunday school as a kid, and you're going to remember this, and I, I'll just see if we can together piece this together, the, the, the story. Um, Zacchaeus was a, and a wee little man was he. 
He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed the day, he looked up in the... And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. Now, some of you are like, is this a cult? <laughs> like, I have no idea what's going on. There's no words on the screen, and they're singing this weird song about Zacchaeus. So this is the story. It's a crazy story. So Jesus is passing through Jericho, and there's a man named Zacchaeus. Um, we teach these songs to our kids, which is awesome because then they remember the stories. That's why we do that. Um, so he's passing through Jericho. There's a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector in this entire region. And scripture makes it very clear he's rich. He has a lot of money. And he has some friends. And he has pretty much everything that you would think and I would think would make him happy in, in the world. He's got money. He's got security. He's got a position. He's got friends. He's got a house. He's good, right? We would think he's good. But he knows, like many of us know, that those things don't always fulfill us, that there are still some things missing from life, even when we have money and power and success and family and all of those things. Sometimes there's some, something missing. And so Zacchaeus knows something's missing, and so he goes and he climbs up in a sycamore tree, a fig tree, and he wants to just see Jesus passing. And the reason we say he's a wee little man is because Scripture gives us that detail, that he's short and he can't see over the crowd to see Jesus, so he has to climb up in a tree so he can see Jesus. Um, anybody, can anybody relate? Some of you are like, that's mean. Don't make short jokes today. I might leave. So he climbs up in the tree. He's looking. Jesus comes by, and I want you to hear this. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem where he's going to fulfill the purpose that he was given. He's on his way to, to the purpose that God gave him, and he sees a man in a tree who just wants to get a glimpse of him. And he stops the parade. And I want you to hear this because I want you to know that no matter where you are in life, when you turn yourself toward God, Jesus sees you. Like Jesus sees you. You're not invisible, you're not hidden, you're not camouflaged. That if you'll just turn toward God, like Jesus will often stop because he sees you. And that's good news for all of us, that none of us go unnoticed in the world. And he invites Zacchaeus down out of the tree. And not only that, he, he does something that many of us would consider a little bit rude. He says, I'm coming to your house today. Like, I don't know if you've cleaned, put things away. It doesn't matter. Like, we're going to have a party at your house. And he goes to Zacchaeus's house, and he finds that Zacchaeus not only opens the door of his home, but he opens the door of his life. And Jesus radically transformed. He flips the script of Zacchaeus's life. And Zacchaeus says, I'm not just going to repay uh, what I took unfairly from people, I'll repay double. Like he is so transformed that he just wants to make right all the wrong that he's done. Jesus redeems him. And um, 
I was writing out some thoughts, and I just said, when we open the doors of our lives to the presence of Jesus, our entire, our entire world can take on new life and joy and peace and hope and all of those things that God wants us to experience. And so um, as we walk through this week, this holy week, man, my prayer is that we would turn back to God and that we would just open the door of our lives. And I think Jesus stops, he sees us, and he enters in, and he begins to rearrange all that's going on within us. And so we come to, uh, we come to Thursday of Holy Week, and um, my, my tradition of churches when I was growing up did this really weird, you think we're a cult because we sing that Zacchaeus song, wait till you hear this. Um, we, we would gather on that Thursday of Holy Week almost every year, and we would, um, don't run, we would we'd get in a circle, not a lot of people came to this service because it was a little strange, but we'd get in a circle and um, we'd get a little basin of water, and we'd kneel in front of someone else and we'd wash their feet. And we did it every year. And it was strange. <laughs> As a kid, you know, just strange, just weird. Like, why? My feet are clean, pretty much. And I knew that people actually washed their feet before they came to the service where we washed each other's feet. And that was kind of weird because it was like they didn't want, you know, fungus and stuff in their toes. And it was kind of weird. And you have to read the story to see what was going on that the Savior of the universe, the one who redeems all of us, the one who deserves all of our, our praise and our songs and our singing and our thoughts and our attention and our affection, the one who, who deserves all of that literally knelt in front of each one of his disciples as a servant and washed their feet which might not seem like much to us in our world today, but in that world, that was reserved for only servants to do. And so Jesus knelt, and he washed the feet of each one of his disciples. And it says that he was showing the full extent of his love. Now, what does that mean, that he was showing the full extent of his love? I think it means that, that love is fully expressed when we as humans humble ourselves before one another and serve each other. Does that make sense? That the full extent of love, the greatest expression of love, I was doing a, a wedding yesterday and I've, I've been thinking about this concept that love in marriage, the full extent of love in marriage, lo love is expressed in the way that we serve one another in that relationship. That we humble ourselves and put the other above our own needs and desires. Does that, does that make sense? And so that's what Jesus did. Like Jesus, the Savior, knelt and he humbled himself in this way. He began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around them. And then he said to them, you are to do the same thing. 
Monday, Thursday, the command, love one another as I have loved you. And sometimes I think we should reinstitute, we've done it on occasion here at McGow, we should reinstitute the practice of washing one another's feet. Some of you are sliding down in your chair just a little bit. Like, are we about to do something like that? Because of the power of humility and practical service for one another. So um, in the next few minutes, as we think about that final night um, when, when Jesus is with his disciples and he's sharing the Passover meal, he, he flips the script on the Passover meal and he gives it some new meaning. And um, I want to show you just a quick video to give us a little bit more understanding about some of the, the idea of Passover and then communion, which we'll take together in just a couple of minutes. Um, powerful video. Check this out. For more than 400 years, God's people were enslaved in Egypt, subjected to the cruel oppression of Pharaoh, until God sent his servant Moses with these words, let my people go. But Pharaoh would not relent, so God gave his people strange instructions. In the fading twilight, each home was to take a lamb, a perfect lamb, and they were to kill it. And once the blood was spilled, they were to take some of it and spread it on the door frames of their houses. dark of night, death visited every house in the land of Egypt. But the houses that were covered in the blood were untouched. Death passed over those places. As the sun rose over Egypt, God's people were finally set free. But there was still another kind of slavery. Because all of us are subject to the cruel oppression of sin. So, many hundreds of years after Moses, God sent his own son to declare, let my people go. And on the cross, Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God was killed. His blood was spilled. And for those who believe, that blood marks us. And for that reason, death has passed over us. For when Jesus rose from the dead, the power of death and sin was broken. been set free.